Welcome to the Geek Centric Podcast. Today, we go back to a galaxy far, far away with some interesting casting news for the future. Disney makes a bold statement by restoring some previously cut footage from the upcoming light year. And Mike Myers is back, baby, and we think that's groovy. So join us as we discuss all this and everything else that happened this week in Geek. My name is Kevin. If you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geek Centric, a podcast covering the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things geek centric. Tonight, we are without our beautiful bearded brother, Nate, but that's okay because keeping me company this evening is our beautifully non bearded brother, Jay Law. How are we doing tonight, buddy? <laughs> good, man. Good. I'm kind of bearded. I, I got a bit of a five o'clock shadow, I guess. Or I whatever. think you would look terrific in a beard. <laughs> I get too itchy, man. I can't. I can't yeah, grow I that know. beard. <laughs> I know, and it's such a shame because you could. It just not, it, it's, it's not comfortable. Whereas I can't, and I need it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. How you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, had a good weekend. Ready to start another week. Uh, getting all geared up for the Oscars next weekend. So that's always exciting. Oh, it was a fun time. That conversation that we had. Uh, episode's out now, so you can definitely go take a listen. But our Oscar prediction episode was a was a good time. Yeah, listening back, it wasn't. It didn't feel that long, uh, but you definitely have to be someone who's committed to uh, to the Oscars. I think you have to talk. care about the Oscars. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, but I assure you, folks, tonight's show will be much uh, much more concise, a little bit quicker. And I guess with that said, why don't we jump right into the news? It's all about the details. Alrighty, our first story comes from Jenna Green at Deadline. This is news that Adam's Family fans have been hoping for since the new Netflix series Wednesday was first announced. Christina Ricci, the actor most closely associated with the title character, will be a major part of the live-action show from Tim Burton. Ricci, who starred as Wednesday Adams in the Barry Sonnefeld-directed 1990s Adam's Family feature franchise, is a series regular in Wednesday... Uh, which is headlined by Jenna Ortega in the title role. Details about Ricci's role are being kept under wraps to protect the surprise for fans, but it was revealed that she plays a new character and not an older version of Wednesday, which I found very interesting. Interesting indeed. Yeah, the coming-of-age comedy written by Smallville creators Al Goof and Miles Millar and directed by Burton stars Ortega as Wednesday Adams during her years at Nevermore Academy. It's described as a sleuthing, supernaturally-infused mystery. Um, in addition to Ortega, and this is the news that really uh, sparked my interest because I didn't know this, Ricci stars alongside Catherine Zeta-Jones as matriarch Morticia Adams and Louise Guzman as Gomez Adams. That, I think, is awesome. Yeah, that's that's really good casting. Um, yeah, I, I think it's great that they're bringing back at least a familiar face that helped sort of build the identity of Wednesday. It's great to see they're bringing her back to be a part of this series. And in one, some way, it is interesting, though, that it's not going to be like an older version. So I'm wondering, you know, is she going to be a teacher potentially at the, at the um, school? I, some people are speculating that she's going to play a character similar to the one Thora Birch played in the movies. So sort of a almost, I don't, I'm not sure if it's a nemesis or I'm really not really sure, but uh, she did replace Thora Birch who walked away from the project uh, earlier. So no, it's definitely right. cool that they brought her back in a movie with some really iconic performances from, you know, Angelica Houston and especially Raul Julia. 
she was Christina Ricci was able to really stand out uh, even amongst them as Wednesday. And so though she's not playing the same role, it's great to just have her be a part of this because it was so iconic for her uh, many years ago. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I'm I'm interested to see what they're going to do with this series, just because again, it, it's been so long since we've gotten something Adams Family related. Well, other in the live uh, live action spectrum, right? Exactly. We had the, in the live action, yeah. we had the Oscar Isaac uh, animated film uh, that came out a couple years ago. Oh yeah, Oscar Isaac did uh, was it was the voice of. Um, Gomez, What's the father's yeah. name? Gomez, Gomez yeah, yeah. He was the voice of Gomez. So I, I think the biggest thing for me was the intrigue of, around this show is the fact that they are bringing it back to live action, right? Like, like you said, you know, we've we've had other iterations of the Adams family in animated capacity, and I guess that that you know that tongue in cheek humor of what the Adams family is, I think in itself, people were just like, oh, it works better in an animated style. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how, how this, how this is all going to turn out, especially with someone like Tim Burton behind it. Like, come well, on. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the movies from the nineties are, are terrific movies and Sarah and I'll watch them every other Halloween, I'd say. Uh, and they just, they still hold up to this day. And so if there was anybody who could sort of take on a new iteration of it, I think Tim Burton is absolutely perfect yeah. for the job. That, that, that has me more excited in all honesty than, than and Christina Ricci it definitely helps to have her added to the cast but I'm, I'm interested to see what Tim Burton's going to do with this with this story so 100 well interestingly enough um, another actor from the 90s movies is in our next bit of news uh, this story comes from Aaron Couch at Hollywood Reporter who reports that a new cast member will be joining Mandalorian season three and where he's going this actor won't need roads but a hyperdrive might help uh, that's right, Christopher Lloyd is adding another iconic sci-fi franchise to his storied career. The Back to the Future actor is on the call sheet for The Mandalorian, which is currently filming its third season, Woohoo, in Southern California. Character details for his role are being kept locked in the trunk of a DeLorean, but it has been described as guest starring in nature. Lloyd played time-traveling scientist Dr. Emmett Brown in the Back to the Future trilogy, with the role becoming the most enduring in his long career. Uh, on the sci-fi front, he also played the villainous Klingon commander Krooge in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. He was great in that. Uh, he's also a multiple Emmy winner, uh, mostly for the role, uh, his role in the seminal sitcom Taxi. Uh, I mean, The Mandalorian for the first two seasons has done a great job of bringing actors who should feel weird in the Star Wars environment, but somehow just become natural in that role. And so to take somebody as iconic as, you know, Dr. Emmett Brown himself and putting him in Star Wars, I think it's a pretty exciting bit of casting. Yeah, like this casting kind of feels similar to Pelimoto, uh, played by... Um... Uh, gosh, I can't remember her name. Amy Sedaris, I believe. Amy Sedaris. There you go, Kev. That's the memory. Yeah, this this feels like, again, because the article says it's it's in a guest starring capacity. I imagine that that's what this is going to be. It, it'll be something that is very light. But again, it's really cool to hear that Christopher Lloyd is going to be in, in Star Wars content, right? Like like you said, his his history is just... He is a pop culture icon from what he's been able to uh, star in. And obviously Back to the Future being one of the biggest, biggest franchises uh, that, that really propelled his career. Um, so I'm excited to see in what capacity. And it's got me thinking, like, could he be like another scavenger? Could he be just the voice of a droid? 
Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like what, what capacity could you see Christopher Lloyd? It's definitely not going to be like some sort of hoity tidy uh, uh, general of some kind. You know what I mean? I think his character, given who Christopher Lloyd is right now, might be more like, again, a Pelimoto. Well, and I and I and I wonder, is he going to be a humanoid like, you know, Bill Burr, for instance, or will they go the Artie Lang route and have him play, you know, a more alien race uh, like he sure. did in Star Trek three? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's definitely lots of questions about what his capacity will be. Is it a one episode? Does he have a couple appearances? Uh, but I, I certainly agree. I can't see him on the bridge of a Star Destroyer as somebody in the Imperial Army. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. I I do see though him being an ally to Mando rather than a foe, um, unless for whatever reason he has to sell out Mando to, you know, for the betterment of his future, if you will. So who knows? Doctor Brown in Star Wars. Let's go. I'm all for it. Uh, now our next bit of casting uh, news is actually speculation, as every few months or so rumors pop up about a former boy wizard potentially taking on a massively iconic role in the MCU. As reported by Jeremy Dick from MovieWeb.com, we all know that the X-Men's arrival in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is imminent, but the big question remains as to who might be playing them. In particular, Wolverine is someone many fans want to see appear, but casting this role with the right actor might prove to be a challenge following Hugh Jackman's iconic portrayal. One name that has come up for years is Daniel Radcliffe. Mm Mm-hmm. For years, Radcliffe's name has come up pretty much any time rumors of the X-Men getting rebooted in the MCU have been reported on. Uh, he is constantly denied that there's been any official involvement, though many fans have said they'd be on board with this casting. As for why his name keeps popping up with the Wolverine, fantasy casting online, Radcliffe has offered his theory. The Harry Potter star boils it down to his height, as the Wolverine mm-hmm. character was originally depicted in the comic books as shorter in stature. Radcliffe mm-hmm. wonders if people are nominating him for the role simply because of his height. Uh, he is uh, notoriously uh, very short. One of the yeah. th- one yeah. of the sh- on the shorter side of Hollywood leading men. That's for sure. For sure. Uh, for sure. In any case, he says he's nevertheless flattered that so many fans want to see him in that role, especially as it puts him in the league of longtime Logan actor Hugh Jackman. Uh, now, I thought it was funny because a few weeks ago we questioned the casting of Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al only to be very impressed with early set photos. So do you think this could be another case of Radcliffe subverting expectations if he were to be cast in such a role? Yeah, I don't know. Like, again, I saw the interview with Brandon Davis on the red carpet of uh, South by Southwest. He was uh, promoting uh, the movie that's out with him and Sandra Bullock and... uh, uh, The Lost City? Yeah, Lost City. That's the one. Thank you. And, um, you know, he asked him straight up and he was very, very well aware of, of the fan casting and, and, the, and the rumors and, and so on. But I, I think more or less you could read from his tone. I don't think he wants to do that. I, I don't think he personally wants to do it. He, while he appreciates the fact that he is in a fan casted role, I don't know if he personally wants to do another heavy commitment for you know, a big contract for multiple movies, very much like what he did for Harry Potter for seven years, right? So, Well, and I was going to say, I mean, it was probably closer to 10, 10 plus years sure. that he was sure. locked into that role. And so once you make a commitment like that, do you really want to 
do it all over again because you know you, you know that uh, Marvel and Disney will be getting the most bang for their buck with this character and other X-Men. And so there will be many, many appearances, I would imagine, over a long period of time and, and over many films. And so, yeah, that would be a huge commitment for somebody who already yeah. locked Had so much of their life yeah. into something like that. Yeah, and I, I think, again, he, he even, I think in the same red carpet sort of interviews, someone else asked him about returning as Harry Potter. And he said, obviously, never say never, but it's not something that, that he would want to do. He compared it to you know, Mark Hamill returning to the role of Luke Skywalker. There was 30 or 40 years there. It's 20 years roughly since the movies had started. So it's like, you know, he hasn't been given that that break. You know, again, he says never say never because I think, you know, he knows that he is tied to that character very much so. Well, and I mean, maybe that presents a new opportunity to be attached to something different. Instead mm -hmm, of, mm -hmm. you know, every article written about him saying the boy wizard, Harry Potter this, you know, Maybe it's yeah. time to be attached to something well, different. Well, that's why that's why it's going to be really great to see this Weird Al uh, uh, film. Also, Lost City, obviously coming out uh, next week or or this week actually. Um, and and you know, Radcliffe can act. And I think you know the one thing that stood out to me about the Harry Potter twentieth anniversary is that he started to clue in to who he was surrounded with when he was on those Harry Potter sets. You know, being surrounded by you know. Alan Rickman and being able to absorb as much as he can from like actors like Gary Oldman even right like he he started to really want to hone in on the ability of owning his craft as an actor and I think he he saw the opportunity after he was done with those Harry Potter films to really cement himself as an actor and he's done some great films like uh, Swiss Army Man I think that's the one that uh, he's with in him and Paul Dano yeah friggin fantastic movie that movie was the one that made me say like okay this guy is is he's definitely so much more than just Harry Potter, a hundred percent. And it's 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 crazy how you know you you obviously do that for a variety of different reasons. You sign up to be Harry Potter for seven films. Part of it is because it's a good income. Obviously, there's there's a lot there, uh, so you can really bank a lot. And then you can go off and do your your passion projects and all those other things that you really want to do. And I think that's what he really wants to do before he gets into doing anything that would be multi-movie uh, contract like 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 Harry Potter was. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure when he looks at his nine-figure bank account, uh, he has very few regrets about uh, for signing sure, up for, sure. for Harry Potter 20 years for ago. Sure. But uh, he'd but look guess, cool as Wolverine, though. He would look he would, cool Yeah, as I've seen some Someone posted a photo. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it looks pretty good. It's, it's, it's starting to sway me away from my dead set on um on uh, zach efron but i will say disney if you're listening marvel if you're listening right now i have a casting suggestion that i think would be absolutely perfect for the role jared kiso from letter kenny he's canadian oh. he knows how to play rough and gruff he's oh. he's he's in terrific shape uh i think i think that would be a really fun inspired sort of out of the box casting uh and i'd love to see him play Wolverine as a similar sort of character to his letter Kenny. What's what's with this guy bending metal, bud? What's going on over here, bud? That's actually probably the best route they could go though. Is take someone that is relatively unknown like a like a Simu Liu, right? And put them in a like a, Hugh Jackman a, kind of was when he was playing. Yeah, 100% role. was. Yeah, he 100% was because I think they had uh what's his name Duggery yeah Duggery Scott was originally supposed to be Logan or, or the Wolverine in the original X-Men and he decided to not go for it and then I also think 
Russell Crowe was too. They wanted a heavy hitter name. They wanted a heavy hitter name because they thought they thought that was what's really was going to pu- push the movie. And instead, you know, they went with uh, Hugh Jackman. And they're all the better for it because he basically defined that character. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and given uh, Russell Crowe's, let's call it a struggle with weight over the years, I'm not sure how inclined he was going to want to be to have to be, you know, Jackman talks all the time about the worst part about playing that role was was preparing for it and getting into that ridiculous shape and dehydrating mm-hmm. himself for, for days on end before shirtless takes and everything just to look as chiseled and ripped as possible and so it's certainly a role that requires a lot of commitment and so anybody <laughs> signing up for it would would certainly have to be prepared for for that sort of sacrifice as a lot of uh, actors in superhero movies uh, probably tend to do for sure awesome well our final story comes from cat bailey at I- ign uh, a same-sex kiss will reported reportedly be restored after quietly being cut in disney's Lightyear. Variety reports that the restoration is happening following allegations that Disney's corporate reviews have resulted in the removal of LGBT content from the company's films. The scene involves Alicia Hawthorne, a space ranger who is also a gay woman of color. While her orientation is never in doubt in the film, a kiss that she shares with her partner was reportedly left on the cutting room floor until recently. Lightyear's written by Pete Docter and stars Chris Evans, and it imagines the Buzz Lightyear origin story that gave rise to the toy. Uh, The kiss was reportedly restored following a lengthy statement alleging that Disney encourages censorship of LGBTQ content from its films. Uh, We at Pixar have personally witnessed beautiful stories full of diverse characters uh, come back from Disney corporate reviews shaved down to crumbs of what they once were, the letter read. Uh, even if creating LGBTQIA plus content was the answer to fixing the discriminatory legislation in the world, we are being barred from creating it. Um, and so, yeah, Luca, Inside Out, and Soul are also some films cited, uh, with studio leadership allegedly removing signifiers of queer identity from background shots, among other decisions. Uh, and Disney has uh, recently been mired in controversy over its monetary support of mm-hmm. legislators behind Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill, which prohibits the teaching of LGBTQ subjects in the classroom. Uh, Disney CEO Bob Chapek has since apologized, but Disney employees are planning a walkout while putting forward additional demands. And so, yeah, this feels very this like of a, the moment. This is this yeah. is this is a big time for Disney to sort of step up and I think do the right thing as it involves, you know, anything in the the the, the LGBTQ community. I think I think it's it's 2022. There's such a a dominant force in the in the industry in, in entertainment industry that they need to they need to be on the right side of history here and this is just one small step that I think is very important. I, I couldn't agree more. I think on the turning red spoiler discussion we had um, Joanne and uh, Megan Clara draws and uh, we were talking about this and you know, actually Joanne brought it up and she mentioned like it's kind of a hard pill to swallow right now because she really enjoyed a lot of what turning red did in terms of you know telling the story about a girl having to go through puberty um in a way that was digestible for a larger audience it was approachable it wasn't you know a big mouth-esque if you know what i mean very direct and, and to the point but that being said it's it's like these it's these things that sort of slow the process of of disney actually moving the needle forward right like 
in many ways, I've always said that Disney was taking awareness into maybe the idea that they were in some ways perpetuating ideologies and, and, and around race and culture that were miscued and, and sort of exploiting that for their own profitability. While we see a lot of their new content being very hyper aware of, of cultural sensitivities, this feels like, like like 10 steps backwards, right? Like they don't want to necessarily uh, step on the toes of the people of the, of the, the politicians that they've, they've funded and that they they take part in and, and so on. So they're, they're saying, Oh, let's, let's just remove these little bits. Nobody needs to see that. Nobody needs to know that that was there. And that just doesn't seem right because especially the, that community, the LGBTQ uh, community is such a huge supporter of Disney. Like it's just, it doesn't make any sense. So, you know, Chapnick having to, you know, come out and address this situation finally and apologize and and issue a statement it still hasn't gone over well like it's yeah, still I mean, in it's trouble it's a shame <laughs> that it, it's a shame that it even has to be addressed and you look at pixar and they've done such a great job of bringing awareness and and finding a way to talk to young audiences about things like mental health death uh even puberty in in turning red and so it it, it almost feels like where has this been how has how has pixar not been a leader in 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 bringing awareness and acceptance towards the LGBTQ community that it's just so long overdue that, you know, if this is the final push that they needed, it shouldn't have had to happen, but I hope that they do take advantage of this and, and roll in the right direction. Because like you mentioned, so many fans come from that community and, and, and now we're seeing so many of their employees represent that yep. community and are really upset feel with, hurt. with the decisions going on. And so yeah. maybe this yeah. is just a small step to sort of mend uh, mend that bridge. Chapnick's on, I think, thin ice uh, right now uh, in terms of just he's got he's got a lot of eyes on him and he has to handle this right. And their position is we don't need to get into po political situations, but at the same time, it's like you know this is this isn't just a political situation. This is not a political situation. This is a social situation. You know, no amount of money that Disney could throw at this is really going to resolve it. There there has to be a, a stern force of action i just don't know what that is maybe it is pulling out of those political campaigns yeah i just wish that with the with the powerful voice that disney has i wish that the resources that they commit to certain causes weren't going to fund politicians but were going to help organizations that are promoting positivity and and supporting causes rather than funding already rich politicians and political parties that are trying to stifle these communities Right. Or even just go against it and just create content that does teach. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that would be the response that, you know, they could, they could do where it is about teaching people about that. Right. So that, you know, if kids can't watch, can't go to school and learn about it, well, they'll watch it on Disney plus they'll see it in a Disney movie. It'll, and it'll have those stories. And it's certainly an aspect that's been underrepresented, especially in the, the, the animated world. I mean, we got, mm -hmm. um, you know, allusions towards it in Mitchell's versus the machines. Mm -hmm. uh, but other than that, I can't really think of a mainstream animated movie for kids and families that, that fully just supports and supports and embraces uh, th that community. And so I guess, I guess we'll just have to see. Well, it's going to be great that I'm glad that at least they're, they're adding back what was removed from, from Lightyear. And really at the end of the day, it, it might be a very small, 
seed. It might just be something that, you know, was was cut for no reason other than because it did promote same-sex relations. And it's really just maybe a, a very medial, you know, sort of just a goodbye, farewell, I'll see you soon sort of kiss. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not going to well, happen. Yeah, like, it doesn't seem like it's the, the moment that's in question here is is pushing any sort of agenda. It's, exactly. It's meant to, if anything, normalize exactly you know, this exactly. sort of this sort of um lifestyle lifestyle and so yeah. i the fact that something so subtle so just natural is so you know is is, is wor- they're worried that they w- it'll ruffle feathers i hope it ruffles feathers that's yeah, what we that's need to to yeah. to make a change for for you know in the right direction so good on disney for for addressing it even though it's probably shouldn't have had to be an issue at all uh, but that said, that wraps it up for the news. Why don't we cue the banjo? Because it's trailer time. <laughs> All right. Our first trailer is for an upcoming miniseries from Hulu. Candy tells the story of Candy Montgomery, a 1980 housewife and mother who did everything right. Good husband, two kids, nice house, even the careful planning and execution of transgressions. But when the pressure of conformity builds within her, her actions scream for just a bit of freedom, with deadly results. The show stars Jessica Biel, Melanie Linsky, Timothy Simmons, Pablo Schreiber, Raul Esparza, and the show debuts on May 9th. What did you think of the trailer, Jess? I thought it was interesting. I, I'm, I'm interested to see Jessica Biel kind of become a character. It, she looks so... Different. This reminded me of um, there's a series actually out right now with Renee Zellweger uh, called Pam. And it's very much about this sort of suburban lifestyle secret murder. Uh, I haven't watched very much of it, but I see a lot of previews for it. And it, it has got me interested because Renee Zellweger totally put on prosthetics like she looks entirely different. She's she's a whole other character in this thing. And I'm, I'm interested to see how Jessica Beale becomes transformed in this character's role. And in, in this, in this, it, it seems seems very different for her to be taking on something like that. And she's she's been out of the, the the spotlight for a little while. She hasn't really done too much acting. So you know, to come back with with this uh, role, who knows? It could win her an Emmy, uh, or definitely get her nominated for one. I could definitely see that. I mean, uh, I, t- I do want to first say I'm just looking now at uh, the thing about Pam. And wow, Renee really is uh, unrecognizable there. And so, yeah, it's very similar in that here's a chance for uh, Jessica Biel to play uh, a, an actual char- uh, an actual person uh, based on a true story. And, and you're right, we haven't really seen her in that role. And so, yeah, it's definitely uh, a new spin for her. And I think uh, the tone of this trailer was great. It didn't give too, too much away, but I loved how I think very much like the show itself, it, it shows that even though on the surface everything might look perfect, there's there's a seedy un- underbelly to everything. And yeah, it looks like there's going to be a lot of tension, um, a lot of just, yeah, I, 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 I'm excited for, for the show tonally. It reminds me of um, a show with Patricia Arquette that was out uh, and Billy King that was out a few years ago. Oh, um, um. Uh, it was The Act. Oh, right, yes. I never watched it. Uh, no, that was that was that was good. That was it was it was good. Um, and so yeah, this reminds me very much of that. It, again, another true story, sort of brought to a, a miniseries. 
Yeah, I, I the the look of it reminds me very much of um, David Fincher's Mindhunter, or even Zodiac to a certain degree, but more Mindhunter. Um, but then a little bit of like a True Detective vibe as well. But I don't know. They, again, they're all kind of of the same sort of breath of style. Um, but then you have again this sort of wholesome suburban uh, mother. Uh, you know, at the core of it, played by Jessica Biel. Like, it has a lot of layers to it that make it really interesting. And in, in the trailer, you know, when they get to those, like, quick cuts of, like, the the sort of startling and the, you know, tender moments and the, the horrifying moments, it's like you, you really get a sense that the show is going to be all over the place in, in that. Um, and and a real mystery. And, and everyone loves mysteries, right? Murder mysteries, so. Absolutely. Well, speaking of murdering... Um... Our next trailer uh, uh, definitely involves a lot of that because season three for Barry is finally almost here. The HBO hit returns after two years. Uh, Barry tells the story of a hitman from the Midwest who moves to Los Angeles and gets caught up in the city's theater arts scene. Barry stars Bill Hader, Stephen Root, Sarah Goldberg, Anthony Kerrigan, and Henry Winkler. Season three starts on April 24th, so we're about a month out. And yeah, after two years, I am so ready for this show to be back. So I, I have to admit, when uh, this showed up in our Discord feed, I was like, oh, yeah, Barry, I haven't watched a single episode. Actually, that's <laughs> not true. I've, I've watched a few episodes. Um, and Bill Hader is is absolutely fantastic. And he is the whole reason that I would want to check out the show. Uh, this this teaser definitely does have me very intrigued of, of what would have happened at the end of season two or in season two that would lead to the events of of this, this very tense episode. Uh, uh, teaser because uh, you know again for myself I know Bill Hader there is a comedy aspect to to the show that that I definitely appreciate it's more of a dark comedy but here this was all darkness like this was just darkness uh, oh you know, yeah was, I mean I don't want to say right, anything because so. I really do encourage right. you to this is the perfect time I think for you to jump in mm -hmm. there's 16 episodes you could easily watch it uh, before season three hits but yeah season oh, yeah. two ends on a real low night uh, low note for our titular character and so yeah, season three is, is going to, I think, like you said, it was a dark comedy. I think we're really going to focus on the dark here. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think that there's these large, large gaps, especially with COVID, right? Like, especially with COVID sort of exasperating those those long, long breaks between seasons. But like, yeah, two years waiting for 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 a show. Mm. I'm sure you're you're appetizing. I'm, for I'm itching because usually I'm yeah. on the other end of it where I'll a, a new season will be coming out for a show and I'll go and catch up right before that. I did that with Succession and so never had to wait those long gaps. I did it for Ozark and never really had those those huge gaps in between. But I did it very... for Game of Thrones. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I think I watched like all six seasons before season seven. And like, cause they, again, Game of Thrones was so big, right? Like in terms of gaps, cause of the production value. And it was like when season seven dropped, uh, you know, that was the final season. I was ready to rock. So, oh, so you're the reason too, too you're, you jinxed it by, by jumping on the bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> probably. That's why it turned out so shit. Uh, a little disappointing, but that's probably a discussion. <laughs> well, for hopefully Barry time. doesn't. I, you know what? It's it, it's such a great show, such great characters. Anthony Kerrigan is hilarious. Henry is Winkler. Is he the bald guy? Yeah, he's the is bald the, guy. Yeah. He, yeah. 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 He's, he was he funny in so the clips funny. that I saw. Mm -hmm. You know, Stephen, Stephen Root, you just, you know, he usually, he almost always plays like the nice guy, the affable guy. Uh, but whenever he does play 
a darker evil bad guy, bad guy. He's so good in that, and you just want to reach in through your TV and punch him right in the face. So, yeah, yeah lots of great performances he, here. He's such a surprising actor, Stephen Root. Like he can be like the silly comedy, but he can also, like you said, go that really dark, serious tone that is just it's it feels so opposite of 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 who Milton he is. from. Office space, you know. <laughs> I need my stapler. It's true. <laughs> awesome, I mean, yeah, awesome. like two of his <laughs> earlier roles that would have gotten him recognized are yes, uh, Milton from Office Space, and then even uh, his character in Dodgeball. Dodgeball, and so which was very him, much like Milton, right? Like, yes, it was very much yeah, like meek, that. Yeah. and yeah. So when, yeah, you yeah. know, when he gets to really chomp into something and and show yeah. his he, acting gravitas, he's he's terrific. He's had a very robust career clearly so absolutely absolutely yeah. all right well let's jump into our final trailer uh this comes from the kooky mind of mike myers uh penteverit 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 penteva what the beep as uh, one of the characters <laughs> in the trailer says tells the story of an unlikely canadian journalist who finds himself embroiled in a mission to uncover the truth and just possibly save the world himself the show hits netflix on may 5th and i will say that description is rather bland in contrast to the absolute insanity that we got in this trailer. Yeah, it was a wild trailer. It this was is definitely shit to to an extreme. Yeah, <laughs> it do, it definitely feels tonally different from the Austin Powers series, obviously, but similar in that you know obviously it's Mike Myers playing a mixed bag of characters uh, throughout the series, so it is going to be fun to see. Um, especially because like I, I, what I'm getting from it is obviously a serious tone with comedic characters in, involved. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the story and the premise is probably going to be very serious. And then, you know, the punchline of the joke will be that it's not really that serious. But at the end of the day, these characters in this sort of serious world are going to be the comedic, uh, you know, goldmine, if you will. So and, you know, already in that trailer, how many characters did we see of of Mike Myers? I, I think spotted at least three or four. Four. Yeah, I, I saw three or four. Um, so and who knows who else he'll, he'll potentially play. Right. Right. And then, I mean, the, the, the cast is bolstered by Keegan Michael Key. Ken Jong's in it. Uh, you get the sultry, sultry Dosset tones of Jeremy Irons as the narrator, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. that that hooked me alone right there. It definitely has me interested that Jeremy Irons would be interested in doing something. One hundred percent. And even Ken Jeong, man, like the fact that he would actually like I would see him thinking, oh, that's just he's doing that gimmick again. Mike Myers is doing that gimmick again. Like uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all comes together. Well, and I'm I'm certainly ready for it. I mean, we haven't seen much of Mike Myers in the last 10 to 10 to 15 years even you know he had a small yeah. role in inglorious bastards he had a small role in bohemian rhapsody but the last time he did one of his signature character based movies was the love guru which was absolute poop and so i'm hoping <laughs> i'm hoping this sort of uh, you know propels his career and reinvigorates it a little bit uh, and and doesn't lay a big stinking turd like the love guru <laughs> yeah especially because it was based in toronto wasn't it Mm -hmm. revolved around the Leafs and stuff I mean, like that. that yeah, so. I mean, like, finally a movie about the Leafs, and it was terrible. I will say that was the movie that got me convinced uh, at Justin Timberlake's comedic skills, because he right, is he was amazing as the French-Canadian goalie in that movie. <laughs> uh, but that's about the only positive thing I could say about that. 
Yeah. And it's yeah, a shame that a movie too. about the Leafs winning the cup made me angry somehow. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I'm yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what it's all about. I, I again when we were in high school, you and I loved those Austin Powers movies. I'm pretty sure we went a couple times on opening night to see them, at least for for two and three. Uh, for sure, right? I think we saw one together in theaters, but we definitely for two and three we went opening night and laughed our asses off. So hundred percent, hundred percent. It'll be it'll be a fun time to to actually uh, take in a Mike Myers, you know, multi character movie. What what a time we're in, eh? That all these comedic actors from our childhood are sort of they've stepped away from that and then are coming back. We have Jim Carrey. You know, mm-hmm. in the Sonic movies, after taking a far more yep. serious spin for for many years there, and now, yeah, Mike Myers is is back doing what uh, what he's Netflix known for, threw so. a lot of money at him, and he was like, "Fuck yeah, I'll do that." Let's go, let's go. And <laughs> money talks, baby, money talks. Well, that is it for trailers. Before we wrap things up, as we always do, I thought it would be a good time to find out whatcha, what you've been watching, what you've been reading, what you've been playing, anything uh, anything worth sharing. Well, I think the only thing worth sharing um, after our Oscars discussion, you know, um, having seen almost all of the animated films on Best Animated, but having not seen Flea, and based on your recommendation, uh, 100%, I went and checked out Flea. And this is a, you know, again, it's the best way to describe it is a documentary story about a refugee who is basically running from his his own identity and it's told through the storytelling power of animation and i thought you know that is is really what celebrates animation is finding a way to leverage the art style to tell the story i I think every other movie in that category does such a great job of opening the door of telling stories to a younger generation and, 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 you know, imparting wisdom. Flea feels very outside of all of those other films because it is very, it is a real story about a real person who had to deal with a lot of suffering uh, to just get to a place of, of ha- being happy with their life. And it was, it was so well done with, with the art style from sort of the, the sort of vibrant, clean, look of of you know his time when he was younger and when he was living in Afghanistan and you know then juxtaposed with these dark spotty blurred very intense moments that you know just the look of it creates creates the feeling of of feeling lost and and feeling it like you're in a dark place so such a great job with the with the movie and i just love the idea that it's it's more of a documentary than than it is told through through animation. It feels very, uh, you know, very much like a Richard Linklater film where it's kind of a rotoscope. But I, at the same time, you know, it's probably not like it's definitely they've drawn in elements and stuff like that uh, to to help tell the story better. Um, so yeah, if you haven't checked it out, it's on Prime. Uh, it's if you're a Prime member, you can watch it, no problem. I was very happy to see that I didn't have to rent it anywhere or or anything like that. It was available, and again, that would have been information Prime. useful to me a week ago before <laughs> I rented it on Apple Plus. <laughs> so sorry, I just searched it and it showed up. And uh, maybe it's because it is really getting closer to the Oscars that they are showing up on these platforms. But also, kudos to these platforms for picking up these movies. Uh, maybe not in time. For for the Oscars for Kevin, but uh, definitely just picking them up so that they they can live somewhere and they they can be seen. Because I think last year, even for I believe Best Doc, maybe 
I can't recall, don't quote me on it, but last year we did see some animated content and some uh, documentary content um, celebrated at the Oscars and they were on Netflix. They were things that you could go and watch. I think one of them was an animated short uh, that I actually checked out after seeing it. That's just such a great point that you bring up that that is really one of the most beneficial aspects of streaming platforms is that I love how you said now these these movies that would have been really, really hard to find or watch even five years ago now have a place to live and they're exposed to such a larger, broader audience that that they can see these very important stories that are worth being told and 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 should be heard and, and seen to really appreciate, you know, just how different things are around the world. And I honestly believe it'll it'll win best doc. It, it should. It's been celebrated as as a doc. It's inanimated for the right reasons, but I, I'm 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 hoping Flea will win for best documentary. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I, I just think that we, we talk about how the Oscars do put shine a light on movies that maybe some people haven't seen. But, you know, like like we're saying, we're at a time now where that can hit a streaming platform or that can be rented and people are going to be able to turn around and do that. You know, maybe 20 years ago when streaming wasn't, you know, a thing, you'd have to somehow wait for that to come out on blu-ray or dvd and go to your blockbuster and get it and you know if they didn't have it you know you'd have to go to like a, a more boutique place like it was really difficult so yeah like huge huge props to amazon netflix these are platforms to expose people to more stories that 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 need to be told so just leverage that absolutely absolutely um Definitely uh, something worth checking out. I'm glad you uh, took my recommendation and, and went and, and checked Always it out. Always take your recommendations. Come appreciate on. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. I mean, I, I know my stuff, I guess, right? <laughs> um, uh, as for myself, um, I was recently, uh, my attention was brought to a show that aired originally from 2014 to 2017 on Comedy Central. Uh, the oh. show's called Review. Uh, so it's mm. a basically a spoof of review shows where the host who's played by Andy Daly, who you might know as the principal from Modern Family or the terrible doctor in Silicon Valley. Uh, and so he basically reviews everyday things based on submissions from uh, viewers. So I'm only about five or six episodes in so far, but some of the things he's reviewed include stealing, drug addiction, making a sex tape, being a racist, getting a divorce, uh, and eating an obscene amount of pancakes. And again, that's just the first few episodes. <laughs> this show is hilarious. Um, basically, the host is forced to do whatever the viewers ask him to do. So when they said, we want you to review getting a divorce, he has to go ahead and get a divorce from his wife. And, <laughs> and so uh, often the things he has to do come with terrible consequences. Oh, um, that's great. That's, you know, that's when he so tries funny. out being a drug addict, he becomes, well, he tries drugs and legitimately becomes addicted. And it's great because about three or four episodes later, that addiction is referenced and he sort of falls back on the addiction. And so... I like that there's a continuity throughout the show as well. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. So That's uh, cool. I'm watching it on Crave right now here in Canada, Sweet. Uh, and it's it's a lot of fun. I, I was I was happy to find it, and yeah, yeah, it's really funny. That sounds very like Office esque, but like you know what I mean. Like it it kind of feels like it's more mockumentary. 
Does yes, it have exactly. a mockumentary that's vibe? Exactly. Yeah, yes. Okay, yeah. The cameras are there. Uh, you know, there's one where he has to eat just a disgusting amount of pancakes and he's begging the producer, like, I can't do this. And the producer sits down and says, listen, you signed a contract. You have to do whatever we tell you to do. And, you know, so, so yeah, it's, it's, I, that's a great uh, analogy is that it's sort of like a, a mockumentary uh, feel to it. So cool. I would definitely oh, recommend definitely checking that out. It's uh, very funny. Alrighty, well, that's it for This Week in Geek. Thanks for tuning in wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and leave us a glowing review. We always appreciate the love. And also, you can always reach out and say hi, ask us a question about any of the news or trailers covered today, or about anything else that we cover. Uh, you can do so by hitting us up at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at geekcentricyt and Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering a variety of recent content, and new content is always coming out. Recently, Justin sat down with friend of the program, Rob Brunette, an illustrator for Marvel, for an awesome interview that gave us a sneak peek into his creative world. Our spoiler-free and filled review of Turning... Sorry. Our spoiler-free and filled reviews of Turning Red are also available, and of course, every week... Just like right now, we come at you with This Week in Geek, where we share all the latest in news, trailers, and all things geek-centric. Then coming up, we'll have our early review for Moon Knight in advance of our next Watch Club series for the show, once it hits Disney Plus on March 30th. And finally, we have our third annual Oscars preview and prediction show, where we look at some of the biggest and most prestigious categories and give our thoughts on who should win and who will win. That is available now for your listening pleasure. But until next time, J-Law, thanks for joining me for This Week in Geek. And as we say, get home safe, guys. Peace. <laughs>